Welcome to the Notary Ninja Show with author, entrepreneur, business developer, and, well, ninja master, Mark Sias. We discuss side hustles, business opportunities, scams, leveling up, and so much more. Just don't argue with them. It could cost you your life. You can reach Mark at LegalDocPrepNotary.com. Right, and okay, welcome to the Notary Ninja Show, guys. Today we have Joe Rocky Jr. He is um, Elite Business, and Joe has a motto that I can definitely get on board, Elite Business Coaching. His motto, ethically fulfilling your dreams, and ethically goes right along with our business name is Noble Notary, but we try to do things noble. If you heard any of our shows, you know how we over-deliver. So I am really curious to pick this guy's brain. Um, it's always good to have a coach to, to learn from, somebody with mm-hmm. lenses outside of your own business model, because they may see things that you are just straight up missing. Um, so without further ado, we'll welcome Joe to the Notary Ninja Show. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, indeed. Um, and, and that's exactly right. Having a second pair of eyes on your baby is always a good thing. I mean, you know, we look at this in real life. It's like, yeah, I'm going to have my spouse take care of the kids sometimes, maybe one of our parents or whatever. But when we look at it in terms of our own businesses, it's like, don't you ever touch and try to mess with that. This is mine. I'm the only one who can do it. And that can lead to a lot of negative and bad things if you don't ever put some light on it from the outside. Um, and yeah, that's one of the things we certainly do at Elite Business Conversations is the coaching element of it. And um, absolutely, absolutely, that's important. And starting on that point, you know, let's look at things. Let's dive into it and yeah. go from so, there. Joe, you coach, you coach on an individual level and on a business level. You kind of cover, mm-hmm. you cover all bases as mm-hmm. a business. Absolutely. Coach. Great. Yeah. So expand on a little bit. Tell me how you, your story, you know. Yeah. So starting point, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I create a lot of businesses and the reason I create so many is a, I really like doing it, but I also like structures that give people an opportunity to enhance their lives and take themselves to where they want it to be. And we have this problem in current society that everyone thinks they want the same thing and that everyone should want the same thing. And, you know, politicians will sell that as an income based number. But the reality is, is that there's many different desires that people have. Some people just want to feel accomplishment for success. Some people want to have that money. Some people want to just have time. And I basically like all of those and I figured out how to do them. Now, now I teach people how to do it both on the set on the individual and on a company level to make that happen. That's great. That's great. Now, what, obviously there's, there's a lot of individuality that you can cater your coaching to, to the individual's Mm -hmm. needs, but are there certain strategies that you deploy? Well, yeah. So, so we look at this from starting with the business structure, this being a little bit more of a business day show is that every company at the end of the day only needs to accomplish three things. And this is true, whether you're a product or a service-based company, but you need to accomplish three fundamental things. Number one, people need to know who you are and have a desire to come see you. Number two, once they are interacting with you, they have to want to stay to the extent of an exchange, whether that be I'm buying the pizza from you or whatever the service is. And number three, you need to deliver on the back end. You guys have some great pizza. Your service needs to be there. And so much of the rest of our companies really don't matter. Unless they're in one of those three categories, it doesn't matter. But we look at the corporate business structure, HR dominates everything. The lawyers can't let you do this. You can't mm-hmm. do that. And really all those are doing is being traps that are holding your business back and confining you into badness. And right. obviously it's not good. So when we're talking about how to make your business better, the starting point is focus on those three things. Yes. And yes, there are some things that are outside of those three realms that are important. Like payroll, people getting paid is important. Right. But Logistics. Yeah, the, exactly. But those should not really be the essence of what you your business is. You can pay people is. to figure that stuff out. <laughs> exactly. You, you're actually better off finding a company that that's their back-end product, you know, an accounting firm who will take care of your taxes. So that way you can focus on the essence of what you're delivering rather than throwing it away. Um, that time, that energy, because quite frankly, there's a reason you're not doing it. It's probably because you're not good at it and or you don't like it. That's, you know, and, and that there's a reality there. I think that some people need, need to address or they need, maybe need somebody to uh, point out to them. I think those mm-hmm. three things you just said, and I agree with that entirely 
Um, I think each three of those things, there's dynamite behind those. So let's start with point number one, which we said, people, if people don't know who you are, they're never going to use your service. So let's start right there. How would we build that out? All right. So let's use an example of this podcast right here. So it's a podcast. There are billions of podcasts out there. Go on Apple, any other directory, YouTube, et cetera. Um, You know, how are people going to spend their time for effectively free content? Billions of ways you do it. Everyone with underwear has a podcast. (laughs) It's getting to that point. So, um, I mean, I have two of them, so I'm not going (laughs) to diminish it at all. So the the way you have to get people to find you is you have to play the Google-Apple game so that you come up in searches, right? Mm Because if people literally cannot find you, they can't listen to you. So there's lots of technical ways you can play with your SEOs, which is your search engine terms, yep. the ways you can build it a description. And all of those are really detailed stats. But basically, at the end of the day, um, to cut it down to 30 minutes, you figure out the keywords that people are trying to type, and then you make your algorithm written in a way that you get more opportunities for Google to find it in a search. And yes, there are ways to make a title search from Google's mind find you more than once. And I do all kinds of analytics on that. But the point is, it gives yourself for each episode, instead of just one title, now you might have up to 20 that Google can search, and they're all different that can pull people in. So now you just gave yourself 20 more chances on one single episode. So if you think of that in the world of a pizza place, like I made 20 different advertisements in 20 different places for people to find me. So that's step one of how people find you. You got to be able to be right. willing to put yourself out there in effective ways uh, because we all can write the greatest title of all time, but there's only one chance. It all depends upon, is that person there? You know, right. th- th- it's, it's much harder to do. So there's a right. lot of limiting factors in the old school way of advertising and marketing that don't really apply now. And by old school, I really mean 2000. Like it's not like it's that long ago. Um Maybe. If you open a phone book, you'll see that the old school used to be to name your business AAA whatever services. <laughs> so you mm-hmm. That's right. It doesn't work That's anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. No, now, now it's like you put a lowercase i in it and people think you're awesome or you spell words wrong. Um, there's lots of better mm-hmm. ways you can do it that are less gimmicky than that. And that's really some of the things that you know, I emphasize upon. You know, What is the actual essence that you want to accomplish? And then we'll figure out who wants it. But start with you and how you want to be seen. And that's really the starting point. So you're writing your own podcast titles. You're writing your own descriptions. Um, You're creating, you're choosing what your icon is that people are going to be looking at. And the more that you can show your inner essence, whether it be as an individual or as an entity, and have that come across, the better. So are you going for some glamorous photo of yourself that really has nothing to do with the essence of what you're trying to say, or is it really your soul? This is what the content is. And we're going to try to present it in every episode ongoing. So yeah. And think about it. That's the, before anyone ever listens to your episode for the first time, they looked at a picture for your icon and they read your description. Those are your two on points. They haven't heard your voice. They haven't heard your sweet intros. None of that. It's just, what words did he use and what's the picture represented? Yeah. Is that enough or not? And obviously there's science behind what can make people more attractive or all that. But at the end of the day, it comes down to confidence in yourself, belief in what you're doing is right. And if you're coming from a very ethical standpoint, it's a lot easier to do that because if you're slinging some form of mud or lie, you're always on edge of, are they going to find me? And I'm going to be doing this. Yeah. So you They're really can't me. be authentic. I mean, it's what inherently comes across. That's awesome. And uh, I, I think like kind of probably segueing on that line is you got to know your audience. You know, you know, mm-hmm. know your market. And I think, think that through when you're doing, you know, when you're doing these kinds of things, um, any, I guess, any advertising, any broadcast, put yourself in the mind of the customer. Um, yeah. And from the business perspective, start with who do you not want to serve? I mean, that, that's that's actually sometimes easier as a practice than starting is, with who do we serve. That because, is genius. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who do, who do I want? Who do because, I not want to deal with at all? Right. Like, exactly. Because the, the, the most liberating thing you can do as a salesperson, as a business owner, is fire a client 
but way better than that is never have them be a client in the first place because um, then you're just dealing with the aggravation that comes with that. So who do you not want? What, what, what are you trying to discourage? And then you'll get a list of traits and then you'll go, I guess my client is going to be different than them, but they might be in the same space, but they're not going to be this. Like how do, do we differentiate a New York Yankee from a Boston Red Sox? Well, you can, you know, there's there's ways to do it and differentiate. One of them have beards, one of them's always shaven. You know, one wears gray, one wears red. You know, you can figure that out, but you go in a little bit deeper with personality traits rather than just, you know, colors on a uniform. You know, what's interesting in, um, it's interesting that you say that. Obviously, I, I think Tim Ferriss says something like that when he, he was telling the story in one of his books about, now he had one client that was just so bothersome. And when he looked at him, they, he wasn't the revenue he got from him was hardly even worth the headache. And he was mm -hmm. better off just kind of setting that baby free. Um, in my own personal experience. So and, and we talked briefly before the show, we have digital products that we uh, we have one flagship digital products. Um, what I have found over time, and I got this idea from Alex Hormozzi's book. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. Uh, I think it's like a hundred million dollar offer or something like that. Um, but what I got from him was that if you charge more, it, it, you have a higher price on your service, you will actually find yourself dealing with a better clientele that's that yes. more appreciate what. And that was like, I remember when we first started coaching people and we were trying to make, we were trying to, we're moving from a sense of passion that we wanted to help people. So we were trying to work with them, making things as affordable as possible for them. But the reality is, is that a lot of that client pool weren't going to appreciate it anyways. And the mm -hmm. ones that really appreciate it were the ones who could afford the high ticket. Uh, yeah, it, it'll, well, let's put it, first off, you're 100% right uh, on both books. And the other one was the 40-hour work week that, that it came from there. Um, but you're 100% right because, hey, I mean, I'm a landlord. I always charge at least 10% more than the house is literally next door. Um, it just, it, it's just the way it is. It's how I've always chose to do it. And the social critique that people would yell at you for goes, oh, you're just helping the rich get richer. And the reality is, is no, that's not the case. I'm giving my value to people who are going to appreciate it. Appreciate it doesn't it. necessarily mean that they are wealthier. It means that they will figure out how to cover right. it. Um, and it's a mindset difference, not a current wealth on your balance sheet or bank account difference. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the key thing that I like to articulate to people, especially on individual training, that your starting point it's irrelevant. I mean, look at how many multi-millionaires there are in this country that barely have any college in them, if any. Mm -hmm. And it's because they were able to build traits and attributes and habits that really school doesn't help you with in the first place. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's a thing that, you know, it's such an easy cocking point to try to diminish people on, oh, you came from an easier starting point or whatever. No, it's you probably are just willing to work harder. You're able to do things that are more effective. And this is where my heart really breaks for people. People who think that they're doing, putting their whole life into something, but it's completely inefficient and they won't listen to why. They just know that they're burning themselves out trying to do this task that's essentially now irrelevant. So imagine buying a brand new Ferrari, wanting to do a zero to 60 race, but jamming your emergency brake on in the first place. All you're going to do is break yourself and you're going to get no results. You're going to be a lot of noise and smoke, but you're not going to get anywhere. You're going to get burnt out, literally. And that's what happens to people if you're not willing to back out and objectively look at yourselves. And unfortunately, that's an incredibly hard and humbling skill that most people will never do. Sad, but it's yeah. true. Yeah, no, 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 I, I agree. I, I think there's, um, it's, I think it's hard for people to self-reflect. That's why, I, mm -hmm. you know, I always tell people to get a journal and write stuff down in it because it's a good self-reflection tool. You may pick up on things. You may realize that you're the problem. Um, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's often the case. Um, you know, journaling is incredibly powerful. There's, there's no way around that. And, and, and like I said, cause that's how you teach the skill set. Um, and journaling is powerful. Those who have a, a, a visual mindset, Mm -hmm. um, that's what something like 70% of the population in the first place. Um, but for those of you who have an audio mindset, which I am one of you, I'm one of the minority with you guys, um, use your iPhone or whatever phone you have and actually just talk into it for the recording service on there. And it's the way that our minds are wired. There is no universal one version of people is better than the other. 
but it's just the way you remember things and the way that you actually reflect whether like i said whether it's writing it out or speaking it out of you getting it out and really gives you a great stabilization of this is where i'm at and this is what i did and then the skill set that i'd like to try to emphasize people to do that once you start this because starting it's really the hardest part but once you get into it try to be in a situation where you can completely take yourself out of your body and look at it as this person who's in my body just my husk of a body right now is talking to this other person no emotion involved whatsoever is this interaction fair and justified is this person a and person b engaging in an appropriate relationship for what the status of this relationship is because obviously adult adult is different than adult to child coworkers are different than employee to employer and so on and so forth. So you got to keep the context of the relationship in check um, when you're doing this, but for that given relationship, is this appropriate? And if it's not, what am I doing that I could change this? And if the answer is, it's just always going to be this way. Well, then how do I get out of it? Because there's nothing wrong with saying, I'm in a bad situation. I shouldn't be here anymore. I need to figure out how to make it better. But you also need to recognize, is it because of me? Or is it because this situation just isn't what I thought it was? You know, oftentimes when we're talking about employees that are having problems hiring and retaining their hires, it's something along the lines of, I have no idea how how to articulate what I want them actually to do. So eventually that employee comes to this situation down the road going, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And therefore, I don't right. like it and I'm not good at it. And the whole time, everyone's upset because the production's not there. But the real flaw was way back in the beginning, you didn't know how to articulate the position you actually clear. wanted to yeah. be. Wow, so, that's that's deep, man. Um, that's awesome. So let's look at, okay, so point number two. We said point number one, obviously, it, have a message that can be heard. You know mm-hmm. your audience. And then point number two, basically, they kind of come into your circle and the way I, and I'm going to have you elaborate on it. The way I related that in my mind is to be a likable person. <laughs> um. Yeah. That, I mean, it's certainly part of it. So, so let me, so let me start from the business end and then bring it into um, the personal end. So on the digital service front, which is what our, most of our environment is now is, is the audio conference that we're having or the podcast we're listening to actually able to hear the person and understand it? Or is there a lot of audio static? Is there too much going on in the background? So we're talking about the basics at this point. When I enter into this restaurant, do I feel that it's clean and safe? Or do I need to be on edge that people are going to be freaking out and yelling around me? Um, I think we all can think about restaurants we've been in that have had both and which ones we tend to go back to. Um, You know, is this the type of environment that I want to be in? And that's really what this is. And what you hit it was from the personal personality side. Does this person I'm talking to be someone that I want to have in my circle and relate with. Now that does not mean we are exactly the same. You know, some of us have friends that are similar to us and some of us have friends that are very different to us. And that's really the way it's supposed to be. You know, you, you get no two people are identical and, and you need to just basically be, have the same basics. We treat each other with respect. We treat each other adult to adult. And in general, we're positive enough, or at least on the same page that we're mirroring the other person. I mean, the same misery love company is absolutely true. It's not great for sales, but it is absolutely true in terms of finding people that want to be like you um, and around you along that level of positivity and realism. No like and trust. You know, it's funny. I One of the services that we offer with our business is fingerprinting. And the idea for it was um, I was because I have a couple different licenses that require fingerprints to be done. And I had mm-hmm. to go to different places to get it done. And it was such a horrible experience that I was like, these people can't be making money. They can't be, they can't have this kind of bad service and expect to be. And I thought, well, if I just offered this service and I was actually nice to people and made it convenient, I can probably clean up. <laughs> well, that's exactly. And that's really how you win step two. So and, and that's the joy of, the, in my opinion, of this era of the economy is that people can set up things. And now we actually do have to be nicer to each other. I mean, think about just TV the way it was in the seventies compared to now mm-hmm. it was this joke's not funny. I've done it 400 times, but you're going to watch Gilligan's Island regardless because you don't have a choice. Well, mm-hmm. now Gilligan's Island would even make it off a kid's network right. um, with, with all the things fighting with on 
any of the streaming services, let alone all the cable things that produced, it, it requires people to step them up and become quality. And, and to me, that's the joy of now. You don't hear lawsuits for lemon cars anymore. In 1990 through 95, that was the rage. Someone sold me a lemon. Someone sold me a lemon. Why don't you hear it anymore? Because every single person knows my car needs to be what would have been a seven out of five stars back in the 90s just to be relevant. You know, the bottom line car that has a stick shift and it costs the bare minimum is still safer than anything you could have bought six years ago. Why? Because it's competition. And that's really where this is. So you find an area and the easiest one is this. Be happy and be a place where people want to be at. And because it's a human to human relationship thing, it's becoming a blind spot in this world of we'll do everything online. We'll do everything artificially. The more human connections you have and the better they are, that's how you win this, this middle space. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's very insightful too. I, you know, a bit off topic, but I see mm-hmm. a lot of large businesses and I think this will be an opportunity for small business owners to, uh, to, to be able to take advantage of. But um, I see a lot of, larger businesses it's like they're scaling back on that customer service side big time and i i feel like it's just going to come back and it's going to bite them um i think they're going to find themselves in a jc situation <laughs> yeah so it, it, it it's a unique problem because yes from a customer service relationship interaction spot it's 100 percent true and what the problem is is those companies valuing the person-to-person relationship. So as we're in a situation, this is really the heart of any time you hear a debate about raising the minimum wage, because is that position who's the Walmart greeter, is that really worth 12 bucks an hour? And you can make an argument saying, well, every other place doesn't have one and they're doing just fine. So why should I spend this money? And then the higher the minimum wage gets, the more of a, maybe I shouldn't spend this money creeps in. So that's really the, the, the issue. It's, it's those entry-level customer service positions that really get sacrificed first. But for those that invest in them and those that can make it well, they really do dominate. And the thing that you will see, and this is what I believe to be the long-term problems of what we went through with COVID, is that companies that are successful, people had gone through that training, if you will, if I have to be nice to each other, at least in a business context, when they were younger in those entry-level positions. And as you go up the channel in successful companies, that humanity back and forth, that humility back and forth becomes shown. Um, You know, everyone likes to make the movies about the unethical guy who just all about greed, the wolf on Wall Street type. But the reality is that's not how most boardrooms in America are anymore. The reality is, is that they're revolving around relations. It's just all their people are in their 50s or older, and there's not a new net coming in. And that really is going to be the barrier for the workforce that decided to not participate during COVID and the problems that really are going to be experienced, probably generational now problems moving forward as we're talking about what will be the hiring issues of the 2030s. This is going to be front and center of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting um, now. So, okay. So let's go to point number three. Now we talked about basically like a, a client retention. Uh, yeah. You got to deliver an amazing service. I mean, at the end of the day, everything we just said about competition and all that, you have to be right there at the, at the peak of quality. Um, even if you're selling something that's not the highest and most expensive, you still need to have a quality that people are going to want because on the low end cheap side, there is so much competition thanks to the internet purchases that do you even want to try to fight with China and Indonesia cranking up the cheapest thing in the world? Or do you want to say, I'm actually making something super quality here. I'm going to charge appropriately for it and charge that. And, you know, people get afraid, like not everyone's going to want me good. You don't want to be for everybody. Mm-hmm. You want to be for X and this is what my company is best for. And this is who we're going to be. And the lot of problems first-time business owners have early on is they're trying to be everything to everybody. And there's a personality type that is just drawn to that. And it really doesn't work in business. 
you need to know, as I said in the beginning, who do I not want to be serving to and who do I want to be serving to? So in my startup spot as a landlord, who did I not want? People who were going to ruin the house first and foremost. Well, how do I get rid of that? I need to figure out a way to incentivize them to want to stay in the house. How do you fix that? You make them eventually the owner of it. Cool. And there's a lot of legalities of how I did that three-step process that took five years and a ton of lawyers. But the point being, it solves the problem. So if I'm here and I'm giving coaching services, I want to give it to people who actually are going to appreciate and act on it. What's the point in giving this greatest information in the world to someone who's never going to do anything with it and then therefore probably never going to be able to pay me eventually? Like there's, That's just a headache waiting to be made. So one of the exercises that you can do, and I believe that this was in the four-hour work week as well, um, was just do an exercise of saying, before we start this venture, how could it break? How could it absolutely fail? And you sit around and go, not in an accusatory way. We're not saying that John's going to mess up the email campaign or, or whatever. We're saying, like, all emotion aside, if this were break, what are its potential shortcomings? Well, no one's going to click on the emails. No one's going to like the pictures that are in the emails. Okay, those are valid. How do we address and trying to make them better? And that's a thought process that each and every one of us need to do within our businesses. And we need to do it more often than we're doing it now. Most people do this maybe at best once a year where they actually truly dive into what they do and where are its weaknesses. Really, most people do it once they're realizing we're about to go bankrupt, what went wrong, and we're blaming everyone in lawsuits. But the reality is, do this once a month before every campaign you're launching. How could this thing fail? And then afterwards, what did we do that made it work good? Or what did we do that could have made it work better? And those exercises, again, you're only talking about a one-hour meeting a week, but it right. makes connections within your business creates a better, a better business culture as long as every person can be heard and everyone gets on the same page. And then people are aware of this is what to avoid and this is how we can make it better. And the direction it goes in may be nowhere near where the initial thought would be, but it ends up being on fertile land and you end up having better crops as a result. Awesome. You know, we did one of the things we did in our business that really helped out and I wish I would have done it sooner. But again, as when we were brand new entrepreneurs, you do, you don't properly price your services. You kind of are eager to please. Um, we're way past that now. <laughs> but uh, one of the things and, and at one point in our business, I said, let's I, we got, I got to audit things. There's, you know, where where can we be better? Where are we bleeding money? What isn't working very well? And one of the simplest things was we weren't doing one. We weren't asking for reviews. Man, what's wrong with you? Um, we started asking for reviews, sending follow-up emails. It was like instantly, man. We just, they came pouring in. You know, you have not because you ask not. Um, mm -hmm. Another thing that we had was uh, we would have clients and we'd leave them a business card, but we had some, I thought, well, why don't we just make flyers that we can give them that gives them an explanation of services because they may look at your card and not know what any of that stuff means exactly. And so give them just a simple flyers that we leave behind. And man, that jumped our revenue probably by 50%. Just mm -hmm. having that follow-up, a, a clarification follow-up mechanism in place for clients. Um, but uh, And you think of that, that goes back to the first step we were talking about. You went from having one title on your thing, here's the business card, here's my name, my number, to, whoa, here's a lot of things we do. Wow, that's a lot more exposure for one attempt. It, 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 that's exactly it. Of course, that's going to be successful. Yeah, that's beautiful. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail you, though. No, 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 no. That's the, yeah. But, but so I, I agree with that, that you need to, um, you need to audit your business, you know, audit your services, or like you said, ha have a weekly what works, what doesn't work. Why do we think it's not working? Uh, and then formulate a, you know, formulate a pivot. Um, I think with the, my industry right now, they're, you know, we're coming out of this uh, big boom and do a real estate bust. Um, mm -hmm. I saw that coming a mile away. So yeah, we're doing okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was there in 2008. <laughs> Paying people off. We'll get in a 
I can get into why the real estate thing exploded. I can do hours on that. But well, you said you said you had a rental, so we'll have to kick that back and forth a little bit because I, I am a <laughs> landlord myself, and I got some horror <laughs> stories. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but uh, so yeah, so we knew that was so that was kind of my message. What we've been building out is to have this true kind of encompassing notary business, not uh, just focusing on uh, you know real estate closings and. I see a lot of people that were there now that now they're going to have to pivot, you know? And so this is a good message for them is to take a serious look at, take a serious look at your business and look at what can you do now differently with what you've got? How can you pivot? How, you know, how can you adapt and then, and then move forward? Because, and unfortunately there's a lot of notaries. I see them on YouTube anyway. Uh, I'm quitting. And I'm like, my goodness, you're quitting. You started a business. You're just quitting because it slowed down. You still mm-hmm. have all that stuff at your arsenal. You just have to direct your focus in a different direction, um, which is, you know, unfortunate, but um, it's it's unfortunate. But again, I'm trying to preach a different message. But um, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so uh, obviously you, you need to know what you have. I mean, that, that's the first part. And a lot of this is kind of going around a topic that is a deficiency that people have, which is confidence in themselves. Mm-hmm. So the reason people undersell, the reason people don't charge enough, people reason want to run away is it's a lack of confidence. And how can you build confidence in yourself? There's really only one of two options. Either A, you have seen success in whatever you're doing. So I'm just blindly hitting a hammer. and Whoa, I finally found this one nail that it works perfectly for. Or B, as you clearly have done just by the fact of how many books you've cited so far, you just keep learning about your title. You keep learning about what it is that I have a passion for and how do I get better at it? And it doesn't really matter whether that's Harrier jets or muffins. As long as you have a passion for it, eventually you're going to find another group that does and confidence in that starting point of, hey, I know every single thing about how the exhaust of this jet works and how it floats in the air. And it's really weird, but it's awesome. That confidence you have will inherently bleed in other elements of your life. And then all of a sudden, whenever I'm at a sales call and I bring out a price tag that's 20% bigger than my competition down the street, I'm not like hesitant bringing it out. I bring it out with confidence where it almost comes like you're the one with a problem for, for doubting this. Like, What's going on? Like, I'm bringing all this extra stuff. That's why I cost extra. Do you want a Ferrari or do you want to be driving a BMW? Or or do you want to be in a basically a pedaled car? What do you want? This is your choice. I got the A game here. You want to go, you know, go back in there. Have fun. But I'm bringing confidence because I know I'm bringing it. And that's really what, what if there's one pill I wish that they could make, which obviously you couldn't, um, would be the confidence pill. And you mm-hmm. get that through in my opinion, knowledge yeah. is the best way. Just keep learning, learning more about it. Yeah, that no, that's very insightful. It, it almost seems like uh, it almost seems too simplistic. Like, oh, it can't be that easy. No, it really is. I think if you just get get commit to getting better, even a little bit, you know, it doesn't have to. You don't have to join the Olympics. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. take these baby steps, and then you will, you will find that they they start to get compound interest. You start to get some momentum with that. Um, and uh, the, one of the things that I really like, so I'm going to segue back to that, the course where we teach people fingerprinting. One of the things that I'm really adamant in the, in the teaching is that you just got to go out and do this. You're going to feel like a fraud. You're going to feel like you're going to muck it up and you don't know. You're going to get a couple under your belt. And you're like, that's the easy money that I made. And so I'm like really urging just, just go out there and do it. Mm-hmm. Go out there and offer the service. It's not complicated, but I was there the same time. I remember the first time I charged somebody for fingerprints and didn't know whether I messed them up or not. And mm-hmm. it was all good. And then, you know, here we are hundreds and hundreds of them later. It's I'm re- re- preaching that same message to people. Just get out there and go do them. Get a few of them done under your belt. And you'll, you, next thing you know, you know, it, it, it'll, it'll go up and come with. And it seems like um, we always, as humans, we always have to remind ourselves that, that, wait a minute, I, I had gotten through these kinds of things before I've learned this before. Um, but, uh, it definitely, you know, having that confidence definitely helps you with what your forte is. You know, I think mm-hmm. as we build out a new forte, we almost, we got to grow again, but I guess that's life, right? That's. Yeah. Uh, so every person 
along this lines has that problem of what have I been doing lately? So like Google knows this about us. Like what have our most recent searches been? So if we start typing something to Google, it almost always goes to something we've searched in the last week or so. But we do the same thing with our skill set. What have I been using lately in my life in terms of these skills? I want to just keep using them over and over again. And we, we forget about stuff that we learned years ago and in the past. So I have this talent. Mm-hmm. I know I have it like intellectually, but for whatever reason, it doesn't come to mind whenever I'm solving problems. You know, people who are cooking at home will use the same knife over and over again, the same four knives, even though they own 30 of them. Why? This exact same phenomenon. Are the other ones sharper? By now they are. Oh yeah, they are. Um, <laughs> are they better? Probably. Um, but do you use them? No. It's this phenomenon of psychology that is a fact. You're not going to be able to beat it. If you're a human, you have to deal with it. But this is where doing exercises of stepping back on a regular basis, saying, how can I make things better, really open up your pathways, especially if you can encourage them. Like, what are skill sets that we have that we could use better? And the most successful people and companies are ones that constantly go to that. And Ideally, you actually have them listed out somewhere and go, these are the full tools I have. Um, you know, in terms of talking about companies and how they bleed money, they'll sign up for all these different subscription services that do all kinds of different things. They're all wonderful in their own right, but they'll end up picking a favorite one and just trying to funnel everything through that, even though it's not really what it's meant for. And forget about the one over here that's actually ideal for this job. And I'm still paying them, but I don't use them anymore. And that is something that's incredibly common. That's all a byproduct of forgetting what I know and only focusing on the recency bias. Man, that's uh, yeah, that's 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 mind bending. <laughs> but uh, I, I think true. You know, um, uh, I, I can definitely I can definitely relate to uh, my own business and things that uh, I don't do anymore because I do other skill sets now. And the reality is is that those things were just as good. They were just as productive of an activity. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, if so in my audience or in my niche, we probably have people that are maybe they're like a, a mom that either wants to start a business that's we'll say maybe home-based or, or, or is a easy entry mm-hmm. uh, or they are a uh, maybe they're an existing like they're me they're they're an existing notary but they're just not their business isn't where they would really like it to be. Uh, what kind of what, what practical advice would you give somebody? And I know you don't know probably don't know my niche that well, but it's service based. So. Yeah, so so trying to stay within your niche because I do have a little bit of periphery knowledge of it dealing with notaries in the past. I mean, obviously, my first two businesses were real estate based. Notaries came into play quite a bit. You know, anytime we're doing a bank transaction or, or selling a property, there's a notary. Um, but one of the things that I really see the direction of the economy going, um, especially as the recession will really turn on, is companies, every single time there's a recession, get fear about hiring the wrong person. And that's whenever you start seeing all the extra hoops that people have to jump through once the labor market is is job deficit meaning that there's more people than than there are or the, there's more people available than there are jobs available so what's going to happen is people are going to start pumping up all the drug tests again and all that in the whole nine yards but eventually people are going to have a need to know that is what these people say actually true like i can go and fill up a, a website job application right now on indeed and there's no verification that i am who i say i am there's no verification that I went to the college I said, or the GPA I have, and the vast majority of employers will never check. So they know that everyone knows that this would be an opportunity for, for the notary field to step in and say, Hey, we actually will make sure that this person verifies what they say, just like at a loan process, this is actually the person sitting before us. We're going to make this person show up a, they're all their same thing to prove that they are who they are now but also say, this is proof I actually went to this school. This is some form of proof that I was employed by this place, you know, former payroll or something um, saying that. And does this particular segment of, of your industry exist? Maybe, maybe not. I actually have no idea. But if I were a hiring firm, it's something I would certainly want. And it's 
the same skill set you have of verifying the person in front of me is the real person. So I was thinking about that question before you gave, because I figured you'd ask me something like that um, over the weekend. And I think that that's a direction, but again, that's someone who's outside of the industry and not in it. I don't have the formal training. So no, that, that's for- actually very insightful. Um, that's very insightful of you. One of the things and I don't think I mentioned it on the show, so I'm going to mention it now because I don't think I've mentioned it at any point. So I'm going to mention this. Uh, one of the services that you can offer as a notary, if you do not have this listed, you can offer this service is you can do an I-9 verification, which is a verification of citizenship form for hiring. A lot of employers need I-9 verification. Uh, They will seek you out to do it for them, or they will give that I-9 to the end user who will pay you to go do it. And you can, you can turn these I-9s out. And that's just one example. There's obviously there's affidavits that some employers hire. A lot of employers um, that I've experienced need fingerprints. I mean, Mm -hmm. they, they straight up are having them fingerprinted, you know, and, and, and in really easy way, because I mean, this is a service sale is you go to the hiring agents, the HR departments here and say, hey, you know, I can come into your office, conference room or whatever and bang all of these out for your new employees or the people you're hiring. Um, just tell me I'll be in your office. You know, we can do this every Wednesday morning and then you can either have them pay me or you pay me. But either way, this is the rate. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. I'll make it convenient as can be. And then you get a morning out of it where you get literally sales handed to you by getting on board with this client. So the real sale of this is finding people that are going to be hiring, especially if they're hiring regularly, and basically having the HR department want you. Because not too many HR departments are going to figure out all this detail, especially if you make it sound ridiculously complicated and hard to do, which this is just ignorance of my fact of I've never been a notary. I don't know the kind of training you guys have to go through, but neither do most HR people. So if you come in and say, you never need to figure this out, you never need to think about it. And there's a whole world of legal crap that goes along with it that you never need to deal with. That's incredibly attractive to a lot of people, especially when they can make the potential employee pay for it instead of themselves. And the employee is going to do it because they want the gig. You essentially are getting a no objection sale mm-hmm. for whatever price tag, you know, within reason you want to charge. It's pretty yeah, good. Well, even like with that example you laid out, what we call bulk notarizations, um, those can be very opportune. One of the things that we've done, which I, I haven't talked about this on the show yet, I guess I'm going to mention it now. <laughs> Bring out the new stuff. <laughs> I'm keeping all these secrets to myself. Is we have uh, made our services offered to us to solar sales companies because what happens is these guys will come and they'll canvas neighborhoods basically. They're door knocking basically um, for lead generation, but they have to get a um, they have to get like a permit for that, a, okay. like a solicitor's permit. And I will solicit them and say, "Hey, listen, you know, I know you 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 hire. It's like it's one of the high burnout things, right? Like the solar cell, they they kind of they're, they're changing them pretty regularly. I'm like, listen, you can come to me or I can come to you, and I can knock out. You've got ten of them that are all going to be applying for for the solicitor for this town. I can come in and knock them all out once and. I can make an entire week's worth of revenue in one day. I mean, in a couple mm-hmm. of hours uh, and it can be done. And that's just kind of that same outside of the box thinking. Um, I was very fortunate that idea fell in my lap, but, um, <laughs> but uh, I'm sharing it now, but this is another such example of where there's your services. You can pivot and offer these services to so many other industries. If you'll just take the time to, uh, to think about it and to audit it. Yeah, it's because at the end of the day, most people aren't salespeople. Um, Most people get caught into the realm going back to the three boxes of having people find us, having people be comfortable with us and delivering a great product. Most people live in the product world because they think that's the most important element, especially business creators. And the reality is, is that's kind of the least part. I mean, you've already done your training and certification to be a notary. You don't really need to focus on that anymore. Aside from bringing the materials required to do it. What really matters for a successful business is finding people that will want you to come. And then when they're with you, wanting to actually do the business. So what we need, and this is really a revolution that the the country needs. And for those who sign up with me, they learn it, is how to find these outside the box opportunities, how to use the resource at our disposal to do that. And like I said, there's many different ways that can be brought up there. And this is 
universal to all industries. You know, we all have certain challenges, but we all have certain benefits. And how can we leverage those benefits to our favor and make our lives better as a result? I mean, that's what it's really all about. You know, you drove a point home there, and uh, I'm going to I'm going to reiterate it in my own words. You heard Joe talk about, you know, you, you already do, you know, if it's, if it's your notary or whatever it is you're doing or whatever you want to do, you can already do that proficient enough. And that's not really where your focus needs to be. Your focus, the, probably the biggest single thing that's going to make a difference in your business in 2023 is client acquisition. Mm-hmm. And client acquisition is going to require, uh, it may require vision beyond your own. Um, just like that's all that's not my lap. Uh, another example, I was talking to um, I was on a radio show and I was talking with somebody and they told me, have you ever thought about uh, calling up local church pastors because they're always in the hospital visiting their, you know, their family, their patients. Mm-hmm. I mean, these patients are their family and those families are going to need legal documents done. And if you let them know that you're the one who come up into the hospital and offer that, I thought, wow, I'd, boom, there it was. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so like I said, I have very limited exposure to all the things you can do. And I just card off one thought off the top of my head. I mean, I, I'm sure when you go through what is all the skills that I'm able to do with this power, boom, it, it, there's going to be so much boundless opportunities to do that. Um, and, you know, mine, you kind of have to wait for the recession to happen and, and for it to really hit its peak. But there's things you can do now to, to, to prime the pump for it just through regular everyday hiring. And, you know, at the end of the day, people hire people they like. I mean, that goes back to, to the first stage. Mm-hmm. And if you can become, I'm not saying you need to become best friends with your clients, but it needs to be that, A, obviously, you're, they're not repulsed by you and vice versa. And there's just basically a human to human respect. You know, we're both adults here. We're talking some things. If you don't like my price, that's cool. It's not the end of the world. I feel like I'm going to hate you. You know, write this horrible report on Facebook or whatever. It's just like, you don't want to spend what I'm worth. So go buy something cheaper. That doesn't make you a bad person. That doesn't make me a bad person for selling it. It's just, we're not a good fit. That's cool. That's life. Let's move on. And then you, then eventually going on is what really makes it better. See, so many people are afraid to get told no, and they think it's going to be a personal shot on them. No one's telling you no. They're saying no to the what you've presented to them. So at the end of the day, and this is coming from just wearing the hat as an as an investor, a real estate investor. If I never have to pay another notary fee again in my life, I'm going to choose that option. To me, it doesn't help the bulk of my business. It's one of those outside expenses I talked before. You know, do I get more rent by paying notary fees? No. Do why do I do it? Because I have to do it. Yeah. So I outsource it to people who can. I that's why I never became a notary. Because I looked at it, it goes, the, the only fee I'm spending is this once fee every time I do a transaction. Is that worth it to me to become a notary? I felt the answer was no, so I didn't. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a need. It's certainly a requirement. And it's something that if you can teach people that you're actually getting benefit from it other than you're forced to do it, that's really how you can take an element value to the next is. level. Yep. Um, yep. It's, it's actually the same value. But you've spun the mindset of your buyer saying that you are no longer the inconvenience I have to tolerate with to you actually are helping me, even if you're doing the exact same thing. It's a perspective shift. And, you know, we're all people. And this is part of the relationships we have with people to turn yourself from the to, yeah, hell yeah, they're coming over. Let's go. That's great, man. Joe, that's great stuff. You know, my wife, um, she'll get she'll feel most of her calls. Um, but uh, she'll deal with people that are kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're used to uh, you know, g- going to the bank and having stuff done for free. Uh, now, fortunately, we know that in our particular market, there's a, a large volume of documents that the bank will not touch, no way, no how. They don't want their liability on it. And mm-hmm. we know that, but uh, she'll kind of get frustrated sometimes when she gets one of the, you know, well, I just, the, you're, you're going to charge me this. I just, my bank would do it for free. and I, I always say to her, I'm like, that is not your customer. That's just mm-hmm. not your customer. Your customer understands that it's that you are fast, friendly, affordable, and they don't have to drive all to the bank and wait in line and play the gamble as to whether or not that teller feels comfortable with those documents. 
There's just two different customers and they're not mm -hmm. our customer. And you're just feeling it. Exactly. And at the end of the day, most businesses will say they don't, most people don't want clients that are not going to pay them. I think that's a pretty fair assessment. So why wouldn't you have that at least a bare minimum starting point? And you, you say that intellectually, you're like, oh, well, that's pretty obvious. But unfortunately, so many of us never actually do the thinking of that. And that, as you said before, going through and doing that auditing process is really, really crucial. And this is how you find opportunities like this um, and, and think things through. So, ladies and gentlemen, Joe is a business coach and an individual coach. And obviously, he uh, has been very, very, he's been very insightful. Um, uh, he's been able to, just from an outside lens, have some very interesting insights into into my business. So, Joe, is there anything you'd like to tell the audience? Any anything you'd like to to, to elaborate on, or, or circle back on, or just ad lib? Yeah. So, um, I, I also do keynote addresses. So, if you would like to have a personalized talk to either your company or your group, um, I certainly do those as well. I love doing those, especially if you take me somewhere warm. Um, I'm in Pittsburgh right now, and there's snow out my window falling, and you know, I'd rather be somewhere warm. Um, but that being said. You know, you, you want to recognize that life really comes down to human relationships. At the end of the day, it's the one thing every person on this planet is built to do, which is to be in relationship with another person. That's why we are called as social species. And the more you can encourage and foster better human relationships within yourself, your own close circle, and then obviously within your business around you, the better your life will be, you know. This is especially a men problem, but it's a problem for all of us. We have this feeling that we can compartmentalize things that, you know, I remember being in college, I was able to cram for a test. So I got through it. So I can compartmentalize it because I remember that one example. You can't do it in the long run. The reality is, is that if you want to be a good employer, you also need to be a good spouse. You also need to be a good son. You need to be able to do all of these and you can't be a bastard in one category and think it's not going to bleed into the other. Mm, and man, as, a, as a final thought, focus on that. Take where your relationship weak spot is and try to enhance it. So as you're listening to this, call someone you wish you had a relationship that was better with. You know, Maybe you had a good back of the day, but you had a falling out. Give that person a call. Not a text, not a tweet. Dial the numbers in the phone, hit the green button, and take a 10-minute chat. Your life will be so much better than off, and you won't even know why, but that's the starting point. All right, man. That's awesome. Uh, thanks for that, Joe. That, uh, you know, that did that part there about you can't, uh, you got to level up all the way around, you know, you mm -hmm. gotta, you gotta, you gotta have a, a balanced life, man. That's pretty good. So guys, this is, we have had on our show, Joe Rocky Jr. He is elite business coaching. Elite business conversations. Elite business conversations. I stand correct. Yes. So his website, elitebusinessconversations.com. Mm -hmm. That's elitebusiness.conversations.com. I will be putting links in the description so you can reach out to him, mm -hmm. uh, inquire about his services. He obviously seems like a very intelligent man. He's offered a lot of value to us, and we appreciate you being on the show, Joe. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I hope that every person got something out of this and you know, like and share it. I did, and so, hey, we're good. <laughs> there we go. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs>